and welcome everybody to podcast number 59. Um, thanks for joining in with us. COVID-19 is still going strong, so uh, we keep having content to produce for you guys. I have the usuals, both Wiseman twins, Dexter and Tim, Adam Weber, and uh, two huge influences on the five-pin game, especially in Alberta. We have Shelby Crest from Heritage Lanes, and Martin Van, not going to pronounce his last <laughs> name all the way, from Bonnie Dune Lanes and uh, part of Bowl Canada. Um, Shelby is also the owner of All-Star Bowling Sales, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Um, one thing for a lot of you that are tuning in, we are going to do a few giveaways. Uh, we reached over a thousand likes this past week. So uh, we'll give away a few t-shirts and maybe something else. We'll discuss that as, as this podcast is happening. So our first topic will be uh, the C5 open and interprovincials being canceled nationally. Um, what are your guys' thoughts about all that, all that stuff going on? Uh, well, maybe I can speak of it first. Uh, since I was fortunate enough to be at those meetings, I guess you can say that. Uh, I uh, disappointed, I guess. You know, obviously, we, we wanted to host these events. Uh, we didn't want to have to cancel, like in many other things, like the Masters. And obviously, we, you know, there's some changes with Bowl Canada, with the Canada Cup and everything thus far right now. Um, you never want to cancel. Obviously, for me personally, I thought you could postpone um, it's easier to cancel something that's postponed, uh, maybe with a set deadline. If it's you no know, like July, something is going to be canceled. You, if it's not better by then, you can cancel it. Then, uh, if magically something gets better, you can, you know, you can't bring it back, right? If once it's canceled, unfortunately, um, things don't look so well. Obviously, in Alberta, we have that issue with Brooks and High River right now, or or High Valley, or whatever that place is, and <laughs> we're just kind of we're kind of struggling struggling right now right Edmonton looks good and everything else like that um I you know it, the open is a tough sting but at the end of the day you know at least no, none of our teams qualified uh, we only qualified to provincials we didn't qualify a team to nationals so a little bit more heartbreaking I think but uh the IP really sucked I, I'm not gonna lie to you like I, I talked to the, the whole team all eight of them or ten of them including the coaches um give them kind of a heads up just in case something like this happened obviously I didn't want them to be out of the, the loop and uh, heartbreaking to talk to them. I mean, uh, obviously, Bonnie Malmus and Central had a great, uh, great run and they wanted to go. Um, but totally feel for the guys up in GP. Those guys had a great story coming back. And uh, some of these guys, you, you have your only opportunity or maybe one of your few chances to go to a Nationals and have it canceled. Um, so that being said, uh, I think uh, IP might have an opportunity to double up. Uh, rosters next year so like yes we sent two from Alberta this year it could be very likely or hopefully we can work something in where we can send two more teams from next year and make a four altogether so at least those guys might have an opportunity to go um, on Alberta level um, provincials we're still going to try to host provincials we, we set a deadline December 31st um, we at least are going to see try to get something going at the end of the day I think we all want to bowl together see each other we miss each other try to figure something else out with that um, it does suck, but we, we did talk as a board and we agreed that, uh, um, there's some other, obviously each province have their own little thing. I think we're going to talk about the Ontario thing. Um, but we are going to, uh, just, uh, basically wipe both teams after December 31st. If we don't want a provincials or not, we're going to restart over for the following season. Um, a lot of complicated things going on. 
especially if you have a team and what happens the next year and whatnot. So I, we felt it was the easiest way. And unfortunately, I think it has some merit, especially when some of your board members are on those teams. And who knows if I ever make another one, but I think it was the fairest way of doing things, right? So um, for everybody. I was, uh, we were on a go-to meeting yesterday, the day before, and with regards to the Bowl Canada Cup, Dave Kist wanted to salvage uh, from Calgary, wanted to salvage a Bowl Canada Cup for the 10 pin side. And he uh, was putting together a provincial one that obviously can't be affiliated with the nationals. But I mean, have you thought about, you know, like a modified schedule for any of your tournaments that, uh, I mean, when it's a national, when it ends in the national, of course you can't, but that's what they were going to do with the, you know, the 10 pin bowl Canada cup. I don't, we're not doing anything for the five pin side, but yeah, we, we honestly, we looked at, obviously we looked at all different ideas. Uh, I, I guess the biggest thing obviously is, Quebec has a really firm date right now of August 31st or end of August for open nationals. Um, I, I don't know if they're going to be lifting it or we don't know, right? Obviously we looked into a fall schedule. Uh, the hardest part for us is if we have something anytime before August 31st, are, what are we doing to our bowlers trying to pull them out of a province that's supposed to be uh, isolated? They're not going to want to go out of there, not supposed to leave there. So for an un, like a, uh, I guess, uh, 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 something that's not supposed to be leaving the province for you shouldn't be doing it, right? Um, so we looked into that. Um, obviously, some provinces are a little bit more worried. And, you know, they're justified. So they have each of their own worries and, and everything else like that. Um, I'll be honest with you, Alberta was for postponing and, and seeing where it goes. I mean, we kind of know it might be inevitable. It might be canceled anyways down the road. Um, but, yeah, it was voted that way. And you know what? That, that is the way it is. And with IP, obviously it's a little bit different because they're going to go to Kelowna and Vernon next year and they only have 30 lanes. So for them to have maybe a different schedule with uh, double amount of teams, it could be a little bit bigger, right? So um, yeah, we looked at that almost a lot of things, Martin. And unfortunately, I think every association is kind of going through the whole same thing, right? So it's an, it's an unfortunate thing. We were still talking about you and I talking about running a, a Western Canadians if things don't happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. like have it run our provincials and then, you know, get Saskatchewan, BC, Manitoba maybe on, on board and, you know, have a little road trip and have a tournament that way if, if the weather and, you know, time permits. But that's yeah. been thrown out as well, depending on, as everybody knows on this board, we just don't know when our centers are going to be opened up, right? We don't know what kind of restrictions we're going to have or, um, my, my big worry of hosting one of these provincials or nationals, how, how kind of lame would it be if you had to be, say, at Bonnie View on 33-34, Edmonton just bowls on that one, and you're playing Calgary on 31-32, right? Because <laughs> of social distancing, that would look really weird. Um, I don't know how much fun that would be. A game would be faster, beer would be you know, sooner, but... <laughs> Uh, other than that, I don't know if there's any other problems. There's always a plus to well, something. If, it, <laughs> if it's not actually affiliated with uh, with the associations, I, I think the uh, drinking rule should be lifted. Yeah, yeah. I'm all for a center yeah, indulgement. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, exactly. Just Center's got to make money. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you know, I think the decisions are going to be made, you know, for us on these things. You know, um, I think we can come up with as many ideas and scenarios as we want, but it's the provincial governments and the, 
you know, municipal governments and their, their laws and, and stipulations that are going to make these decisions for us. So mm-hmm. um, one good thing about it is it's not like it's one association or another or one province or another that has to, you know, necessarily make that, you know, make that decision and be the bad guy. Um, you know, those, those calls are, are made for, are, are made for us by, you know, by people higher up on the, on the chain, you know? Yeah, for sure. The question is, where do you position yourselves? I don't hear anything. I hear bowling centers being mentioned in the U.S. and in other places. So when restaurants open up, and bars open up, is that where uh, recreation centers? I mean, I don't think we want to wait for recreation centers. No. When do we, but, uh, what do we include ourselves with? Martin, I think I, it'll all come down to, yeah. you know, like a capacity. It's, uh, you know, you'll be allowed to to open within, you know, a range of a, uh, of a guest capacity and um you know whether it's you know 30 people 40 50 people or less um those stipulations i feel are going to be in for for a long time um you know that 50 person or less and you know that not only affects you know your your tournament play because we all know that uh, that these events are are hosting of of more than 50 people um but it, it even gets into the into the levels of, of league play come come september you know, most of our leagues are more than 100 people or close to 100 people, at least more than 50. So, you know, we, yeah. we need to start, uh, you know, coming up with some, some scenarios for that, too. My, and again, yeah. the, the decisions are made for us. So that's the my, sad thing. My, my worry is honestly is league play for sure, because um, but, you know, I, do you guys have an opportunity to read to Saskatchewan how they're going to try to open in phases? Have you had an opportunity? Uh, take a look at that. I think it starts May 4th, if I do believe. Um, I heard that. Yeah, um, but they're coming up in phases. So phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four, and phase five is when they open up all together and there's no restrictions, right? Yeah, Great. I think bowling is phase four. four. Is that correct, Tim? Yeah, phase four. So yeah. for us, I mean, I and that's fifty percent capacity. I think it's fifty percent. So if, if if it's the fifty percent capacity, I th- I think it's still okay for us in a way because we have seating and we have and we have standing room. So for us at Sure Bowl, we have 200 people, not including the back room that we could have, right? So if we have a 50% capacity, that's 100 people bowling. So I, I could be okay with that, but I think yeah. it's going to be a firm number, like a 50 or something like that. And you don't know what the social distancing will be with it too. That, I think that's the main problem is like, yeah. let's say it is 50% of your fire capacity, but then you also got to do six foot social distancing distancing yeah. so now your 100 people in that center just doesn't make sense right because you can't put six feet in between 100 people in that building no i just take out all the benches and we we're all good yeah down below we can we got all 60 lanes running so, uh, so in terms of those in terms of those uh phases tim yeah um you know with bowling being phase four and saskatchewan starting what may may 1st with phase one oh, is yeah, that yeah, yeah. okay yeah. And then you know, maybe May 15th, maybe, you know, May 31st, June 1st, you know, maybe phase four, maybe June 15th in Saskatchewan. You know, so, I think in Alberta, we're probably yeah. like, what are we, two or three weeks behind them even? Well, I, so that's, you I know, think, that's putting yeah. us July. I, I think we're, we're going to be, we were fine until the Brooks and, and the Cargill thing and everything mm-hmm. else kind of blew up, right? I, so Dex and I, and don't quote me on this. We, we have a good friend that's a counselor out here. I won't say his name. Um, but he kind of gives us, gives us an in on some stuff, what's going on. Cause I can text him and, um, he can let us know. And he said out here, June 15th was what they were aiming for at Strathcona County. 
Um, so that's a phase one, June 15th? They, they, they were talking about here. This is before everything happened with Cargill, right? Obviously. Oh, okay. So that could change. Um, but that was including their public facilities like Millennium Place and all the rec centers, all the uh, play parks would be open at that time. Now, obviously, things do change. That the, Everything going on could have made that all a mess, right? But they're aiming for June 15th up here at one point. Um, I, 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 I have a hard time thinking, Shelby, too, and you probably can agree on it, that they're going to open up one county before they open up something down south. It's all going to be up at once because um, people traveling and moving around. Well, and, and, just... and the, the provincial government will override the municipal, right? Yeah. So um, in, in regards to these phases, yeah, I, I mean, f phase four for Saskatchewan is uh, um, indoor and outdoor recreation and entertainment facilities. Um, so I'm assuming that will be us. But it increases the maximum allowed like gathering up to 30 people from 15 to 30. So even in phase four, yeah, we might be able to be open, but up to 30 people. Phase five well, is when they allow all of it. And that's why they say half the capacity because 30 people at KJ Bowl is not the same thing or at Banff Bowl is not the same thing as 30 people at Bonnie Doom. So it, it can't be done on a number unless it's an outside venue when you're at a park. So they're, they'll, re, they'll revert back to the capacity of the bowling center or whatever venue it is and still have to maintain the, the six foot ratio. I don't think they're going to lighten up on that anytime soon. Would you be able to section it off at Bonnie Doom? Yeah, we the, 16 lanes or something. Well, right now we, you know, what we're talking about is every other lane. If you look at one bowling lane, it's being five feet wide by, you know, the common area and everything's probably 25 feet deep. There's lots of room for one group to be on a pair of lanes. The challenge or are on one lane. I think like the boys said, the biggest challenge or the biggest fear for me is how it's going to open up for league bowling, having half capacity for league. I don't know. I just I haven't got that far yet, and uh, yeah, waiting to see how that pans out because all the public bowling in the world is not going to equate. You know that that destroys the the sport of it all. I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're do, do do you split do you split your league so you do do you run two shifts instead so you have a one five player team on a set at a time and you you run it that way or or do you do you make your leagues like, you know, three player leagues and run them super quick that way? Uh, what, what do you do? I was thinking of the idea, like you had mentioned text of, you know, maybe running a, you know, six fifteen six thirty start time for, for, for half the league. Yep. And then maybe an eight o'clock, eight fifteen start time for the other half of the league. One team's going to get one pair, you know, they're going to be done within an hour and a half. And then the next wave comes in, you know, so you're still occupying your lanes for the same amount of minutes, you know, from six thirty till nine thirty, um, but you're but you're splitting up that you know that capacity and still being able to generate the same amount of revenue, um, right? You know, because it's all. I mean, this is you know, you know, being open is is great, you know, but at a capacity of, of thirty guests, that's not even going to you know, we half have, your capacity is not is going to equate to half your business. Oh, well, oh yeah. Uh, and I know, you know, some proprietors have been saying, it, you know, it'll be up to us to lobby the government for financial assistance well after most of the businesses are open and not just for bowling, but, rec, you know, uh, restaurants and stuff that are, are forced to operate at 50% capacity or movie theaters. 
I mean, how long is the financial assistance going to last until there's a vaccine? And, and is the government going to extend that for 16 months? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we, we might have some workarounds. I mean, you know, our, our capacity includes all like the unseated areas and all that stuff too, right? I mean, even for us as a 16-lane center, um, our capacity in, in the main area is um, 200 people. And then uh, the bank room is, you know, 70 people. So, I mean, if they are doing 50% capacity, realistically, we could run our leagues and close the doors, right? No spectators or anything, run our leagues and still have staff. But uh, I find that hard to believe when they're talking numbers of, you know, 15 to 30 to 50 people. Yeah. Um, half capacity is a big difference from, from groups of 50. You're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, I, I think, like you said, that's going to be a, a phase situation where all of a sudden, maybe in phase four, partway through the, the opening or whatever, they change the 30 compa- or 30% capacity to a percentage capacity or something like that. It is yeah. definitely going to be stepping stones, right? It isn't going to be all of a sudden from 30 to 100. It's, they're going to have to figure something out there. And within each of those stepping stones, you have to have a two week, you know, uh, see if anybody's going to be, you know, the virus is going to kick up in two weeks. So it's, yeah. 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 See, uh, I, what I'm interested is, and I know the government won't probably care about this at all, but uh, there's going to be a point where, you know, people are going to be stir crazy. If you're four months indoor quarantining with nobody there, no economy's going on. Uh, at the end of the day, they're going to see, yeah, health is important, but economy is just as much important too, right? And, and I, I think they're going to have to, they're, they're, they're going to try to wiggle both at the same time. And I'm interested to see how that would work. I don't know. I think, I think you're going to see a lot of political divide going on when this starts getting down to the nitty gritty, because you're going to have a lot of people on the one side that um, public health is number one by far. It doesn't matter if it takes us a year, right? And then you're going to have more of a right-wing mindsets like well the economy is crashing people are not surviving you're going suicide rates are going up and stuff like that are they going to push the envelope and open stuff up and risk a little bit of public health Uh, like i you don't want to be the person making that judgment call right that's uh yeah exactly it's a that's a tough tough call to make and i think you're right carrie when you say that People are either on one side of the fence or they're other. They're, you know, they're, they're either on the health side or they're on the economic side. I don't talk to too many people that are riding the middle of that fence. No. Um, you know, you either come, you're maybe, you know, a businessman or from a business aspect and you're looking at the economic side of it. And maybe you're not. And you are looking at the health side of it, too. But, you know, at some point, I want to hear somebody say there needs to be a meet in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, there there has to be a way that, you know, we can get things going, you know, being health conscious. Otherwise, you know, the uh, you know, the cure is going to be worse than the disease here. And um, it's going to be there already, I think, you know, and we're going to be feeling this for years, years and years to, you know, to come. One of the, um, the second. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Martin. One of the secondary challenges that, that we've talked about is the perception of bowling uh, from the general public, the people that are with more sensitive to germs and they're wearing masks when they're driving by themselves in the front seat of the car and there's nobody else in the car. You know, how are these people going to take going into a bowling alley, for example, where we're, you know, in a lot of cases, they're using rental shoes and they're using, you know, public bowling balls, even though we plan on, I mean, we are already all of everyone is 
sanitizing their bowling balls and some of the centers are even taking them off the racks but there's going to be a percentage of the population that's just like i'm not going to go down there they're already in a, a heightened gerb awareness and the idea of using public bathrooms or um, going into a bowling center and using somebody else's bowling ball i think there there's a potential decline to the people that might be going bowling and let's not forget we're in alberta and with that oil crisis there's going to be a financial burden on our our people in alberta to even the recreational dollar i think is going to be hurting more than it was pre-covid so i think there's several things on the go that are going to impact us i i've always said uh martin with the oil i mean if if money's not there and we might not see as many corporate things but a lot more families come in i believe because mom and dad and family can't go to mexico anymore go to somewhere place or Disneyland maybe but uh, with the double whammy of both the oil and the uh, and the COVID thing it's going to be a little bit tougher um, but honestly like I was I was thinking today when we're actually when Marissa was texting me about everything going on with this I was thinking it'd be great if like uh, like if I, and I'm sure it's going on so like if the proprietors had something to go by where they would suggest something where it's like this is maybe the steps we would go by help out all centers because i mean every center is their own obviously you can't tell them what to do but i know there's things you guys probably know maybe what people are working well and maybe like i know trevor peters had a good article on the nexus right and on some stuff and some other places down east might have something different i don't know maybe maybe that's something there is a committee being started tim um paul had approached me on it uh today that uh that they're looking at putting together uh you know, a committee just to kind of set some some protocol or some guidelines or some influence um, to bowling centers on, you know, how to, you know, how to kind of get things started once this, uh, you know, once this is, is, is ended. Yeah. So, and the BPA is a good source for that as well. Go ahead. Yeah. So like, would you, would you say Bowl Canada should have a strong, a strong say in how these proprietors implement the the safety standards and stuff like that moving forward that's kind of what bull canada was developed for was it not to help proprietors across canada and i think to help them is a is a great point to uh and to make recommendations and suggestions that might uh prove beneficial to them in their opening process but we i mean we can't tell them what to do any more than we could you know before covid but to help and that's what shelby's saying is you know mm-hmm. maybe we can uh, get together some ideas that might be beneficial. So I, that's agreed. Yeah. Well, not to uh, push you guys away from the business aspect of, of this whole situation, but let's move on to uh, Southern Ontario has developed a program or is moving forward with a program that they're going to keep their um, provincial teams that qualified for the Open and then they're going to introduce a wild card for the 2021 provincial roll-offs. Um, do you feel that, I, I guess I'll go with my thought process on it. I'm not sure if that does it justice by rolling forward a whole qualifying year to the next year, because now you're pushing your, um, your fundraising, your stuff for two years. Does that... I don't know. To me, that that seems a little off. But um, what are your guys' thoughts on that whole situation? Um, obviously, I'm a little bit different on my stance. Obviously, Alberta has has their stance already. Um, I I think it's tough. Um, I I didn't honestly, and I don't 
Uh, I know John and, and obviously the Ontario board is trying to do their best, what they think best is for their, their members. Um, but I, I honestly haven't read a whole lot of it. Like I just sort of skimmed through it. I don't know what happens if a bowler can't commit next year. Some years one bowler can commit one year. Some Sometimes they can't commit the next year. I, I don't know how that works there. Um, I think it's irrelevant on like, obviously the zones are not going to be qualifying anybody really. I mean, I don't know if they're going to have a, I believe they're going to have like a one day roll week can roll off. I don't know what's going to happen with that all-star team carry. I don't know um, how that, I, don't, I hadn't really read into it, but I obviously centers are not going to be hosting zones. I mean, most centers, let's face it a Saturday afternoon, if they're using it, they probably make more money off open play at the moment. So they're not really hurting with that, but um, associations might be hurt for on, on like association fees and stuff like that. Yeah. I, th I think the idea of the wild card was that they're going to take, the remaining players out of all the zones for the whole region of Southern mm -hmm. Ontario. Right. And they're going to run a separate zone round right. and produce teams out of that, out of that remaining pool um, to send them to provincial qualifying or to the provincial round for a chance at a national berth. So now you have players from Metro playing with players from Hamilton and central. And yeah. Right. Do, do you want me to read you that? I just brought it sure. up here. So it's yeah, it's sure. an event called uh, Fill the Field Provincial Event. Um, it says this new event will be open to anyone who is not seeded to the 2021 championships. This event will add one team to each of the three divisions of the Open and one team to the Senior Open and fill any vacancies in zone contingents who are not able to back be backfilled from the 2019 zone qualifying round. Um, details will come forward later on. But... Uh, so it sounds to me like they, if people drop off teams, they'd fill it from the the championships before, um, the, uh, the alternate spots and whatnot, and right. then uh, and then field a new team. So with what Tim was saying, what if a player can't compete in the twenty twenty one provincial and they qualified? Would that the person next in line out of that zone round move in and then? they couldn't compete obviously in the fill the field provincial event. Correct. So they would have to create deadlines for that to be decided before the fill the field event could be ran. Yes. Okay. But okay. there's a lot of, yeah. So, so question is though, this is where I'm interested on it. So how, do, and this is where I was thinking on my personal standpoint when it came to Alberta. So you have a deadline, right? Say, and I'm not throwing out names here, but there's some really good players out there that didn't make any teams out there. And I'm, I'd say Doug Brock. Doug didn't make a team out of Central. Central's a stacked zone. They're really good out there. So Doug doesn't make that team. Does if say one or two people drop out, he will make a mixed team, right? Now you have a choice to, to play on that mixed team because you have a spot. Or, sure. or do you just, you know what? I'm not going to play. I don't want to play. And then you're like, oh, you know what? I want to play on the all-star team where I can have a really good team, have a chance to make it, right? Because there's a lot of good players in play. Now, now are you fighting with your zone because people in your zone say you don't want to play with me right or so i think there's a total big conflict with that and that's the reason why i chose my stance on it and i kind of expressed it to the board right because it's no different than adam playing singles and had to choose between singles and team right you, you have that conflict in, inside and you have to nine times out of ten you're going to pick the choice that's about the team or about the zone before you maybe it's not a personal gain on it right just so you know, Tim, uh, Jeff England says Doug Brock sucks. So, <laughs> did, did Jeff make a team? 
that would, that would come to my mind on that is uh, what if you have qualified for a men's team, for example, say you qualified fourth, right? But you wanted the opportunity for next season to be able to qualify in the top three. So you play the singles event as well, right? Now, all of a sudden you're locked into that spot. And now all of a sudden you don't have a chance to re-qualify for the following season. Mm -hmm. uh, to, to me, there's just something wrong about see, that. And right? I don't see anything in here saying anything about qualifying new single spots. I mean, that, that, it might come, but as of right now, it's only talking about adding one team to each division. It didn't mention anything about singles. There's no details out yet, but... Uh, yeah. yeah my, my, my personal stance on it is it just kind of tossed this whole season away for COVID. Everybody else has. All the national events have, right? It's a uh, you know, natural disaster, whatever you want to call it, uh, and then restart next season once uh, we can get going again. I don't know. It, to, to me, I think it's just so much easier to clean the slate and just move forward on, on that clean slate. But that's that's my opinion. Yeah. yeah, like you could still run a provincial event and have your provincial champions. Like th that's pretty prestigious to win that event in Southern Ontario already. Mm -hmm. Crown those champions and start the next season with a fresh a fresh mindset, fresh yeah. fundraisers, fresh everything. I, like <laughs> I said, I, I, I'm super biased on it because I feel that everybody should have an equal opportunity every year you shouldn't but i get it's a it's a health issue that won't come up every year well hopefully won't come up every year and you don't have have the snowballing effect going on right yeah i, I don't know yeah and actually you know what luke brought up a good point does the wild card team get to send top three singles well, that, three well singles? that's what we're saying that's we don't think so yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't mention anything in there. Um, he did also say too. Uh, a big question that came up was um, with the coaching situation. So, what if you didn't qualify last year, and then you got selected to coach? What happens then? Do you do you get? Would you compete like coaching spot? Well, I don't know. Do you have to give that up right away? Can you compete I in the wild card spot? And if you make it, then relinquish that spot. I I think I think there's enough coaches out there or not people that want to coach or they can figure it out. I think you give the bowler the opportunity to play. I, I think it's just creating a lot of questions to I answer that. And it is a unique situation, but I think they've done a wild card um, thing in the past from what I understood out of the, some of the comments and a lot of players didn't like that situation. So something that didn't work in the past, you're bringing it up for this situation is I, I don't understand the thought process behind it, but that's why I'm not, the yeah. one making the decisions yeah. i guess i'm interested on the senior part too right i mean that's kind of crazy too right so if you make right because there's a senior part to it yeah um yeah hmm. i mean well, who knows you guys I, have I, any thoughts on martin and shelby well i in my, <laughs> it's really easy for me i gotta go with adam on this one i think that you know, they, they won that year. It's over. It's a global pandemic. I don't think there's, you know, that's what it's going to be remembered for. I can just see, uh, you know, more problems than it's worth. You start a new slate, but, you know, fortunately, uh, I'm, I'm not making that decision either, Kerry. So, yeah. I'll take Adam's, Adam's side with it, too. I mean, I, it, from listening to your conversation and reading some of the, or listening to some of the details that Dex is reading, it's, I think we're, uh, creating a lot more questions than we are answers here <laughs> and uh i think it's you know it's unfortunate it is you know for those players that that did qualify and and uh but it's nobody's fault i mean it's just uh you know the, the old saying it is what it is i mean it's uh 
I think it's uh, let's just you know wipe the slate clean, like you say, and uh, think of all the people who are tied for first now. Whew. I would have won that year. Well, well, I was talking in podcast, and, and it sounds to me like Edmonton sweep this again. That's two. We we we've held oh, all the trophies. Dexter, for- Dexter, provincials are not run yet. Don't jinx us. <laughs> Nationally, we're okay though, boys. Yeah, we are. Yeah, that's right. Two year defending title, and Adam did it without even making a team. <laughs> three three peats still exist. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll segue out of this topic. Um, so Shelby, you have got a company called all-star bowling sales. Um, you, you want to do a plug here? Me? Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's do a plug here. For sure. Well, you know what, during this, this downtime, um, it has allowed me to, uh, you know, ramp up promotion and, um, you know, marketing a little bit with, uh, you know, with all-star, um, what it, uh, it's uh, I've, I've been able to launch my website and my online store, um, which gives me the opportunity to promote some new products that maybe a lot of people haven't seen. And that uh, is along the lines of the graphic design balls. Um, if you check out the website, um, you know, pretty much anything you can imagine uh, can now be created. Gone are the days of the old, uh, you know, purple and black Cobra and the Marigold and <laughs> and black paramount. I mean, those, those days are gone now. So, um, it's adding an element of, uh, of, of cool factor to, you know, to the sports. And, uh, you know, I think it's something that, uh, you know, it's going to take off. We've had some early su- success with it and, uh, we look forward to, to keeping it going when we get back to some league play. So, um, I do now that you kind of asked, have a couple promo codes that I'd like to throw out there. Um, WCBT Pro 15 gets you 15% off and WCBT Live 30 gets you 30% off. Um, So there are limited coupons available for each of those. But uh, if you head to the website and use those promo codes, you're going to save some uh, save some bucks. Sorry, what were those again, uh, Shelby? WCBT Pro 15 and WCBT Live 30. So 15% off and 30% off respectively. There are limits to those coupons as well. So make sure you get on there quick, place your orders. Uh, free shipping, anything over $250. Awesome. And uh, you're going to see some products on there that you've never seen before. So uh, we're hoping to really launch this big time come this fall when we get uh, when we get things back going and the bowling centers open. So uh, you could be the exclusive uh, owner of some of those products. Um you can be the cool, the cool guy on your team for once, Carrie. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, no, that that's great to hear. See uh, some innovation in the five-pin game. We, it's been a long time since we've uh, seen some new product. I do believe um, Epco came out with a softball. I think it's called. Um, they they did. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's it's the the alternative version to soft roll. Um, I do have a few of those available on the website as well. Now, um, correct me if I'm got them at, at it, affordable pricing too. Is that, is that the former pro 72s? Do they rebrand them? I'm assuming it, it is. Yes. Um, although I think on the, uh, on the scale, on the rating, they're supposed to be 78s. The new oh, ones? I think. 
was yeah. yeah these yeah these new ones okay so, so they're, they're quite a bit harder than the old ones they're, they're a little bit harder they'll yeah. be closer um, to the uh the ballistics the soft draw ballistics yeah in all honesty I, I i don't think they're quite as soft as the as the original soft roll um but you know for those that maybe that price that price range doesn't really fit you know that soft roll price price range isn't kind of what you're looking for you could get into the softball at, uh, at you know at a more affordable price and for most players you know you're not necessarily going to notice the difference um and it still gives you that uh, that soft soft roll type feel but you know one one more thing i'd like to just mention quick carry on on that when you're mentioning the uh, new products is we were talking about you know you know COVID and reopening the centers and I've also got on 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 the site uh, the continued launch of the Darbster disposable shoe. Uh, that's a rental shoe that we've been selling at my center for a number of years now with with great success. Um, we're getting to the point where you know public play bowlers come in and they don't even ask us for the original you know the the uh, traditional shoe rental. Um, you know they're just saying that you know we'll take one of the disposable pairs, right? So might be you know that might be coming down our our pathway too you know in terms of you know giving reassurance to your guests as they come in you know what are, what is your bowling center doing to to, you know, to help um you know with the with the reopening and and you know covering the protocol of of health and social distancing and you know all, all these things offering a disposable rental shoot could be could be that answer are they from china <laughs> they're from, they're from with that. Okay. <laughs> oh, Don't man. sell them from China. <laughs> hey Shelby, I did have a couple questions on those uh they're those COVID that you free had. from China. <laughs> What's that? I had a couple sorry, I had a couple quick questions about those bowling balls. The, the designs are really cool. I've seen them yes. you know shared a few times there. A uh, bit on the technology side of it, is that something that you can basically put whatever type of a logo or design on there that you wanted? Yeah, yeah, basically. I mean, we've got um, rights to, or sorry, you know, the, the company that we get the material from has rights to all the pro sports teams, um, you know, NFL, NHL, NBA, as well as, you know, lacrosse. Um, there are some WHL teams. Um you know, you can customize it in terms of, you know, if you want to put, you know, your pets, you know, picture your pet on there or something like that too. However, cost does go up, um, you know, because we do, you know, that is a limited print and uh, because we're not printing, you know, mass rolls of that design, um, cost does go up, but absolutely anything can be done. Um, and it's done over top of an actual ball, you know, a usable ball. Um, you know, what, what's been used in the past is the visible in the 10 pin game, um, which isn't a normal ball. It's, it's not really used for, you know, proper use, uh, you know, durable use on, in, in terms of, you know, on the lanes, it's more of an advertising feature. Whereas, you know, the, the, uh, the graphic design balls that, uh, that we're producing are actual balls that you can use on the lane and they're very mm -hmm. durable. Um, our test ball that we were using was, on, was thrown over 2000 times and uh, you couldn't even tell that it had been thrown once. So I do have a question about that because I saw it and it, it is durable. Like I, I can't, I can see it not being markable or whatever, mm -hmm. but the reaction of the ball will not be the same reaction as what a normal <clears throat> one would be, correct? Because I, I think, I think, correct. It, yeah. Because yeah, you know, the what? finish on the ball is, 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 uh, 
it's a little more durable than the factory mm-hmm. finish, you know, that, you know, that you would get from Epco. Um, right. So it's going to stay on there longer, Way better, but yeah. the composition, the composition of the ball is still the original composition of the ball. We, you know, we haven't messed with that at all. Right. So mm-hmm. um, I think, but, I think one of the most popular, sorry, Shelby, I think one of the most popular balls is uh, get a picture of your X in the ball. And then you, you can throw it, and when it, you get a headpin, you get a catch. Oh, no. If yeah. you have any pictures you want to send me, Martin, I can get one made up for you. Uh, d- does the, the cover stock that goes Picture over top. your ex? No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, the cover stock, it's just... It's going to be X. If you have any pictures you want to send me, Oh. oh yeah that's better <laughs> um i'm just i'm just wondering what the friction what the friction's like with it because i mean basically you're covering up the composition anyways right the, the, if it was a soft rubber it, that won't matter anymore because the the part that's creating the friction's above it so i, I i'm curious i'd like to i think we have one of those test yeah. balls but I, I haven't thrown it you wouldn't know dexter he says durable you would never know all right. Well, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's you know it's it's you know com- com- completely durable. I mean, you know the the factory finish from from Epco eventually wears off for sure. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that you can do with it, you know, as you know, when you buy you know a traditional ball and the and the finish wears off, you can polish it. You know, you can sand it and polish it to get it back to that factory finish, right? Um, whereas you won't have to really do that, do this with, you know, with these balls, um, that finish doesn't really wear off. It's a, it's an automotive type, you know, durable finish that, uh, um, like I said, are, you know, the, 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 the test, you know, balls that, you know, that, that we've had, um, thousands of throws with it and, uh, and it's, uh, you know, I'm assuming you're not putting that cover on a soft roll, $160 soft roll. Are you? I can put it on whatever you want. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's true though. You could. Yeah. One thing yeah. that we got to kind of clear up here, guys, is that it's not, you know, this, this type of ball maybe isn't necessarily for your 1% tournament player. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I, I would be surprised if I seen any tour players out there with it, yeah. you know, this, this design and this, you know, this theory and, and, and kind of, uh, you know, promotion towards the game is geared towards the, the 95, you know, the 98%. Yeah you know, league player, you know, who, you know, who wants to be, you know, that cool guy on the team, mm-hmm. um, you, if, you, you know, the, it's you're not, not going to be your, you know, your tournament player yeah. that's really specific it, with but, how the ball reacts. But, but it, if, if it is a consistent movement and whatever, I, I mean, it's just going to be a, yeah. a, a different style. I'm just curious to what the movement actually is on it. Um, that being said, the only other ball that like you, you know, throw it on a paramount because they're going to be the cheapest, you can buy and like the reaction is going to be the same with basically all the bowling balls. So you might as well throw it a paramount, but I wonder what the reaction would be with a star line because with the star line already having a cover stock and an, an internal core, I wonder mm-hmm. if you would actually get a different reaction with the star lines than you would with any other bowling ball with it. We should try it on Adam's blue star. We could certainly, oh, yeah. you know, we could oh, certainly no. run some, run some <laughs> tests with it. Yeah. You know, like I said, the finish that we put on, regardless of what the composition of the ball is, the finish that we put on is all the same. Yeah, exactly. Um, so if, if the ball's reacting to what finish is on the ball, um, you know, it's not going to matter if it's yeah. a star line or well, you know, a cobra. The star line but, does have that internal core though. So I just wonder if that would re if, if you'd actually get movement with that, whereas the other ones might be straighter. I don't know. 
yeah be interested to try from, from the from the balls that i've thrown with it it runs fairly straight yeah um makes sense you know you're not gonna you're not gonna get a lot of a lot of movement out of it so you know it's going to help that you know low to middle average bowler it's going to keep the ball a little straighter for him mm-hmm. and it's going to uh you know keep the ball in the lane and it's easier to control and uh, hopefully they get uh, get some more strikes with it mm-hmm. but they're gonna so, look cool regardless so shelby with that with that are you would all-star bowling sales be geared more towards maybe proprietors putting all their house balls the same design the same maybe slapping their logos on it so if you see it at another center you know hey maybe they stole that ball or absolutely you know we've we've had some discussions with proprietors already um about doing it i've got some discussions in in line with um some liquor reps and some beer reps that want to sponsor a couple lanes within each center you know they want to get all the all the balls on lanes one through four they want them logoed out with jim beam um these are some discussions that i've already had and uh what a what a great opportunity to you know to brand your product within the bowling center um whether it be a beer product you know local brewery um you know that we can keep those you know keep keep that brand going throughout the entire you know two hours that you're there bowling so so building on that topic i had a pba star last week ask me for twenty five thousand dollars for branding what would it cost me to get a couple lanes at heritage five pin universe logos a little bit less than that but i could, I right. could talk. yeah we can negotiate <laughs> to such a deal i'm telling you that. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But yeah, you know, go to the website, you know, check it out. You can do your purchases right online there. Make sure to use the coupon codes. Um, they are limited, you know, values on those coupon codes. I think there's about 15, I think we got for the, for the 15% off. Uh, there's only three for the 30% off. So make sure, uh, make sure you get in there quick and do that for, for center managers. Um, we are going to be offering a bull Canada special as well for any members of bull Canada throughout the entire season. Um, you can use the Bull Canada 20 discount uh, at, at uh, the coupon code and you'll receive 20% off at all times. Um, so center managers, please, you know, please keep that in mind too. So uh, we want to keep it affordable, right? And, and we want to keep it new. Um, you know, the bowling you know, industry traditionally has pretty much stayed the same in, in, in terms of equipment. Um, again, geared towards that 98% of, of average league, league players, right? Um, so let's offer something, something new for them, something, to, something for them to get excited about uh, going to Tuesday night league bowling, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so yeah, we're, we're quite a ways into this podcast, so we'll kind of just do some random questions. Um, <laughs> We did have a question from a audience member here. I don't have it anymore. Um, do you feel that, um, I guess, the more competitive side of five pin bowling is more of um, just an athletic ability to play well, or is that a learned ability? Is that is that to me? That's to everybody on this cast. Um. I guess I'll start maybe, and then you guys can kind of take over from there. I, I think there, you know, there is a huge element of athleticism that needs to be, um, you know, involved with it. I mean, you could, um, you know, teach somebody, you know, the technical side of it. And if you don't have natural hand-eye coordination, natural balance, uh, natural rhythm, 
you know, I think you're going to probably level out in terms of your improvement and your, you know, overall ability. Um, I've, I've, I've seen young kids before that, um, you know, have, have, have never picked up a bowling ball, but are very active in, in other sports, basketball, volleyball, you know, hockey, and excelling in those sports within two weeks have been able to average 185, 200 in, in five pin bowling, you know, and never picked up a ball in their life, you know, so because they've got, you know, natural hand-eye coordination, natural ability, natural balance, um, you know, timing coordination, all those things aren't teachable. Those are just, you know, God-given gifts, right? And then if you take them aside and give them some skill sets and, you know, give them some basic training, I think you really watch that curve you know, that, um, you know, that improvement curve really, really skyrocket. Is that kind of what you're getting at, Karen? Yeah, yeah, oh, for sure. I, I think you pretty much nailed that. Multi-sport athletes make it way easier. If you're a multi-sport athlete coming into bowling, you know, probably much easier. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a combination of both. You need to have that nat- natural athleticism. It's so hard teaching timing. timing is so difficult and hand-eye coordination too so i mean if you have those two things and then you get your basic training with it um you should be off to the races but yeah a little bit of a a segue there the difference between a lot of other sports and bowling is we do have the handicap system that allows even the physically impaired people to still compete on and i know that's not exactly the question but it does allow a competitive edge to people that don't have the physical ability and it has the physical ability so you can, you know, average like the Wiseman's do that the rest of us don't have a chance at. So that's what I'm saying. I beat Adam mm-hmm. one year in average for league. And now that, now that holds true. And he quit. And he quit. Yeah, he quit. <laughs> <laughs> and <then> he quit. <laughs> that's not what the master's program said, Dex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm still, I'm still bitter about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah because what, what do they end up saying it's, it's like ten thousand reps before you can become like highly skilled at, at something too right so i think it's a little, just more repetition as well but uh, natural athletes just cross over so easily um it's not going to help the 10 pinners when we end up playing them of course but um <laughs> but yeah no it's all, all about repetition repetition yeah for sure so I'm not sure if a lot of you guys heard um, last week we had uh, Mitch and Nick Pate from the PBA tour on and uh, we kind of were talking to Nick. He comes up to Calgary for their 10 pin tournament every year up in December. And unfortunately it falls on Winnipeg weekend or Manitoba open weekend that um, has been in the works. So we're going to have to, well, if, we can fly back and forth at that point in time, who knows, but we're going to have to schedule uh, maybe come back Sunday night and bowl those guys Monday or something like that. Have to figure something out with them. We'll find a way. (laughs) Always good to take a 10 pinners money. They got a lot more of it in their American. So, (laughs) well, we've always said who's better, right? Or let's have a competition. And uh, I I still think we're going to have to handicap it somehow. Um, whether we end up giving them 20 or 30 points ahead or something like that, just from the, the, the scoreboard side. Right. But nope, nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. It, it's going to be match play on 10 pin match play on five pin. Whoever wins wins. I think we're going to have to set an amount of games, odd number of games on each, each uh, platform and go for it. See what happens. 
we might get lucky. We might win a match on 10 pin. I highly doubt it. But if we can, we uh, should be able to hold our own on five pin. But but we, we can practice still, though, somewhat. Though. You have to think about that. Yeah, they can't. That's no. right. Well, Mitch can. But. <laughs> um, so does anybody have any other questions? Um, actually, we'll bring up the WCBT because um, COVID is obviously a big portion of the bowling season. Um, we had moved Heritage Traditional, had moved to the first weekend, August, or second Six weekend, August, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah August 6th Do you feel that that's maybe still, <laughs> I, I don't know. Who, who knows, I guess I should say. I, I really have no idea if that's a go. Is there going to be a deadline where we're going to pull the pin on that, Shelby, or what are your thoughts on well, it? Well, you know, I think it goes back to those decisions will be made for us. Yeah. You know, um, you know, we're optimistic. I'm certainly optimistic. I, you know, by August, I, I would think, you know, that we would have, you know, something along the lines. I mean, um, you know, maybe it is, you know, groups of 50 or less or something. And, you know, if it's you know, along those lines, we'll go ahead and run it. I mean, um, maybe we'll throw in a couple extra shifts or something. I mean, during, I mean, we're going to have time. Yeah. Um, you know, during, during that week. So maybe we, we run, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday shifts or something to, to, to help accommodate everybody and those guidelines that are going to be set forth for us. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're optimistic, but like I said earlier, in regards to all this, I think uh, we're going to be told, you know, what, you know, what, what to do. The decisions are going to be made for us. The, the weird part though, Shelby, is I think if we qualify, it's like, yeah, okay, thanks for being there. Get out. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. we're not going to be able to be there, right? I mean, yeah, right. That, I think that'll be the tough part. It's like, yeah, you know what? I think that'll be the hardest part for you because you would have all this food and drink people that sit there and socialize. And we'll have to get all a, that. a special liquor license so you can set up a bar in the parking lot. Parking there lot. you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he, he has a bus out there. His outside. parking lot is a patio. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that usually where Derek Holmes sleeps, anyways? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. I've heard. I've heard he's got a spot. <laughs> yeah, like I, I totally agree, Shelby. I think it's going to be um, made for us. But I, everybody's positive. Um, who knows if we're going to get out of province, people? But there's enough Alberta competitive players, and maybe with knowing that you're not going to have those out of province players soaking up some of those qualifying spots, you might get some more Alberta players showing up the the score qualifying spot but let's hope yeah um so shelby a lot of people don't might not know about your your history or your past um you used to golf competitively down in the states and on the west coast and stuff like that and mm -hmm. one of your <laughs> highlights i hope um for our fans is you're showing on big break too yeah well it, i don't know if it was necessarily a highlight but it, <laughs> yeah I, I i was surprised um I was getting some text messages a couple of weeks ago. I mean, the golf channel has got to be desperate for content. <laughs> let me tell you, because um, I got a couple of uh, text messages from some guys that were on the show saying that they're re-airing episodes um, of the big break too. We filmed it in Las Vegas. It was 16 years ago. So, um, <laughs> you know, there's definitely some desperation in terms of what they need to put on TV these days, but yeah, it was, it was funny. We got some good laughs, you know, over it. And I was able to watch, you know, the episodes with my kids too. They hadn't seen any of those. So, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't fare nearly as well as I had, you know, as I, you know, as I had hoped, but, 
Um, the experience was uh, was second to none. I mean, uh, anytime you could be a part of a reality show like that, and it actually opened up the doors for me to play another, you know, four or five years down there. So, um, yeah, I ended up playing on and off for about 12, 12 13 years. And, uh, you know, was, you know, an experience that you're not, uh, you know, that you're always going to, always going to remember for sure. Yeah. Well, Did you record the episodes, Carrie? Uh, no, I found them online though. So I, uh, <laughs> I sent you a pic or I sent you a text message right away when I seen uh, your curly hair going on. So, oh, the, the curly hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Mr. Robert Gallagher wants to know if you're going to grow your hair back like that. Oh, um, if I could, I would, but uh, unfortunately that's not an option. <laughs> 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 yeah it was uh it was yeah it's it's hard to believe 16 years ago i mean uh time certainly flies you know that's that's for sure we filmed in las vegas it uh it took uh what was it 10 or 12 days to film we roughly would film one episode every day uh we were filming 12 hours a day and uh 12 hours a day would give us uh 46 minutes of content so um yeah, that happened in June. It was down in Las Vegas, so we had heat, you know, record-setting heat. Uh, one day, the actual the the, the co-host she passed out, so we uh, we had to cancel filming that day, and it was good. I mean, um, you know, I was able to stay in contact with a few of those guys too over the you know over the upcoming years, and and uh, develop some some friendships, and was able to kind of hang out with them a little bit as as we toured around uh, the various states, you know, competitively too. Must have been really hard just to stay like focused in the, you know, in the moment. You're you're out there twelve hours. You're, there's no way you're going to be able to play your totally. Best. Yeah, you know, it it it, it was something that, uh, you know, I, I I completely wasn't prepared for. You know, I had no idea what what to expect, and to be honest, I wasn't expecting that either. It was um, no indication as to what shots we we were we were told to hit. Uh, they would give us about fifteen minutes to kind of, you know, pr prepare and say, oh, you know, by the way, this is the type of shots, you know, we're going to need you to hit. And we would drive out to the location, whatever hole it was on, we'd sit there for 30, 40 minutes, camera crew gets set up, okay, by the way, you draw a card, you know, whammo. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it was pretty overwhelming too, and nerve wracking, you know, I mean, these were all experienced guys, like, I don't know if you guys seen the show, but the real big guy, Mike Foster, um, you know, he had played on, on at, at that time, it was called the Nike Tour, he played with Ernie Els, and, you know, Tom Lehman, a bunch of these guys on the Nike Tour for, you know, three, four years, had tons of competitive experience, and he said, I've never been so nervous as trying to pull off those shots on those episodes, and I could vouch for him, man, I mean, there were times, I, I felt like I could barely tee the ball up, honest to God. And I feel like I was, I could handle it, you know, mentally. And I just, you know, the nerves were just insane. I had no explanation for it. So one, one thing I will bring up Shelby is I think it was your first competition on the show. Um, you seen the first guy hit, I think driver over the green, next guy hits three wood onto the green. And then you go up and they're kind of interviewing your side segment or whatever. And you're like, yeah, driver is too much, but you didn't go back to the bag. You just hit driver and you smoked exactly. it. Yeah, so so the way that went down, <laughs> it was just unreal. So the way it went down is um, I was number two on the team. So the first guy went up and he had hit three wood, and I was hitting balls next to him, and I knew I was longer than him on the on the driving range. But where we had to park the golf carts was way down the hill, down the path, and they drew my name right away as, as being number two. 
I knew I didn't want to get, you know, hit, hit driver. Um, but I was again, uncomfortable and not confident enough in, in the situation, in the moment to say, whoa, whoa, stop, stop camera, stop rolling. I got to walk another 50 yards or hundred yards back and change clubs. Right. Mm-hmm. I just didn't do it. So, you know, what do I do? I tee it up. And of course you're amped up. You've got adrenaline. And I just absolutely launched it. It wasn't even close. I mean, it, it was embarrassing, but <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Uh, pretty neat to uh, see that. If anybody hasn't seen it, it's uh, running on Golf Channel. I think they even have it on their website. They have, mm-hmm. You can pull up Big Break 2 episodes and stuff like that. Shelby's not on there very long, but the episodes he's on are gold. So. <laughs> I, yeah, it was, it, they're, they're the most exciting episodes, one one through three, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, didn't didn't they do a, a, a pan over Olds Lanes when you're like pretending you're working there and you were working there at the time, right. but yeah, but they went there and did like a little thing there. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that. so so what it was is it was a day in the life feature. Um, mm-hmm. You know what does this guy do, right? And at the time, you know, we all had regular jobs, and I was able to bring the crew up. They they came up from Orlando, and they filmed the day in the life of, and I was able to bring them into the bowling center. At the time, um, I was one of the owners of Spare Time Bowl in Olds. And uh, yeah, I introduced them to the five pin game. They knew nothing about what I was talking about, but uh, it was able, we were able to get exposure to the five pin game to, you know, anybody that watches the golf channel in the States. So yeah. um, it was a nice little segment. I wanted to make sure that, that, uh, that we included that um, because it's, uh, it, you know, certainly is a big part of my life. It was pretty cool. awesome. I remember that. Yeah. It's never good foreshadowing when they show your clip in the first couple episodes. <laughs> hey, you get a trick. At, at, at least they're giving me all the airtime they can. Martin, I got a two-part question for you. For and I'm sure a lot of people around the country are kind of thinking. Uh, uh, everybody knows Bonnie Dune, super high-scoring house. Uh, I want to know uh, what do you personally attribute to those scores being so high, and uh, how much money have you guys had to pay out? In- perfect games uh we quit paying out a thousand dollars i think last year because that was it two years ago or something we had six perfect games or something but uh anyway there's there's three really big factors that make up for the high scores certainly the lane conditions getting synthetic lanes i mean that's that's a slam dunk and a big another big factor is when you have the Wednesday match play there, or even the Tuesday match play, when you get a, a group of high caliber bowlers all pushing each other, uh, it just creates more good scores. Uh, I'm a big fan of the G2 band, the Ginyak Ginyak band that uh, the Blue Finale sells. Uh, it wears out maybe a little bit faster, but I feel that it's got some great scoreability. We, when we looked at uh, pinfall, which wasn't uh, as, as scientific as I would have liked, um, but we looked at the progression of when we put in lanes and how the scores increased. Uh, when the bands were finally reproduced again, a number of years later, the scores went up again. And then uh, resetting the pin centers at 17 inch centers instead of 18 inch centers made a, a huge leap forward. And uh, now, of course, we didn't, I don't think, did we have one this year? I don't even remember if we had one this last bowling season or not, but those are the three big factors. And the, and the lane condition itself, when I say the lanes being synthetic, it's also the dressing of 
of the lanes that make a difference, right? They're consistent. And so that doesn't make a difference to 98% of the people or 99 as, as Shelby alluded to, but boy, I tell you, for 1% of the, of the bowling community that actually know what they're doing, it makes a huge difference when you have the same lane condition from lane to lane, especially in a match play format where you're moving on a different set of lanes, either each game or every other game, because the consistency follows you instead of like the, the old lacquer lanes or the water-based finishes that we had, the approach were different and, and we tried really hard to make them consistent, but those, those three factors were instrumental. You, for, you forgot one, the black bases. Ah. You're statistically <laughs> not as big, but you're right. They, but they, we so grab those two. The, the reason why I say that is because uh, Nebs obviously was the first center to go to the 17 on center bases, um, but they kept the white bases and um, it was like the hardest scoring center in Canada for like a couple of years. And then they switched over to the black bases and, pinfall changes dramatically when you put when you put the black bases in with the 17 on center Elmira can attest to it too Elmira did the same thing uh, as soon as they put the black bases on with the 17 on center it was like well I mean Jeff threw a perfect game the next day <laughs> like literally the next day so I, I think that combination is is huge and, and like you said not, now that the approaches are so consistent um, a lot of confidence going in every week as well and just knowing that the scoring's there just makes it that much easier. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I uh, yeah. <laughs> Shelby's gone. <laughs> Shelby's gone. Tell oh, us who you really think, Tim. Don't hold back. Well, we, we did get another question, though, from our, um, from our people here. It says, question for Dexter, are you married yet? No. <laughs> <Karen Goulash>. <laughs> <laughs> no. What guy was asking that? Uh, Gary Goulash. Yeah, Gary. Um, but to be honest with you, Martin, like I know you guys done a lot of work there and you guys do a lot of maintenance on a regular basis there. Right. So I, I, yeah, people think it's high there and I, and I totally get it, but they also put a lot of work back into it too. I mean, they're always trying to work with things. And like the, one of the biggest things I agree with is that if your approaches are heavy, you can never finish your shot. I mean, I know some of these guys like heavy approaches, but I think if your approaches are consistent and your approaches have always been consistent with the new overlays, right? So yeah. heavy's, I think that heavy's fine as long as it's consistent. Yeah. 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 The yeah. other so. thing that I, that I uh, would feel remiss if I didn't mention it is uh, the higher end bowlers, you know, you often hear people, Oh, they're always complaining. Uh, and I've never really felt like that. They might be always complaining or voicing it, but if you listen to that competitive bowler, they throw more games. They have a better feel for it. You can, to, if you're doing something right or wrong, yes, you've got the mathematical stuff. You can look at averages and that kind of stuff, but there's insight from a, a high end caliber bowler that is, if you're listening to them, that can assist in, in the conditions of the lanes in the house. I mean, yeah. uh, there's complaints that go with it, but when you're listening to that group, it can be helpful. I'll, I'll be honest with you, Martin, you're in a losing situation with higher average bowlers, no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I had Adam in my in our center for a year and it was brutal, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, but, uh, but all I have to say is that there, there, there's, it's, it's torn, right? You guys have the best scoring center in the country. And I, I will always say that I haven't played in Elmira. I know that's a great scoring center. Um, Paradise is a good scoring too, but they don't have the black bases, but I always found um, 
it wasn't it wasn't the scoring that I don't think it was the scoring that frustrated me down there. It was the fact is it was so good scoring down there that the average player out there can be just as good as me that day, right? It, it, that's my that's my personal thing. Maybe it's that's true, because right? you're average. Well, yeah. <laughs> but 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 it, it just uh, the, the scale the scale kind of instead of us being like with a higher with a I mean yeah we can average three hundred there we can average two ninety but I felt like. The, the separation was just a little bit closer i found um with that and uh i, I when we play the open there the play masters there i'm probably more nervous playing there than anywhere else just because i feel like um i just feel like it, it, it's a crapshoot anything can happen right and it's nothing to do with bonnie dune it's just the fact is that everybody plays really well there well and, and honestly it, it creates a different style of game it, it, it's it's a little bit different because i honestly i'm there and i'm just trying to do whatever i can to not punch punches it's like <laughs> yeah. it's bad because punching it, bad punch yeah. Yeah. yeah punching is exceptionally bad when you you hit the side and you get a, a ton of strikes everybody else is throwing strikes the last thing you uh, you want to do is leave, leave you something where you can't even spare it so that's why well, i love Brad, heritage because it's it you can punch from anywhere <laughs> literally anywhere <laughs> oh he's bad <laughs> Hey, you know what? I, I heard guys. Heritage has brand new pins and bands just for the Heritage traditional, so the score should be just perfect. You are correct. <laughs> brand new. They haven't even been thrown on. B- black bases oh, yet? Black bases? No, no. De- Come on. We don't, we Dexter, don't just, to, We're not just, to get back, just to get back, Dexter, about your head pins, Brad Titcat actually practices sparing up his head pins. I don't know what his percentage is, but he actually works at sparing head pins on a regular basis, so uh, <laughs> well, my, and he can actually spare it up. You know, I, I watched I watched uh, Adam Hagen at Open qualifying two years ago miss hit the left two pin and he got a strike. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. for example, yeah, just, just, <laughs> just uh, yeah. So what what is it about the two pins that when you hit them just right that they can literally shoot across the lane and back to the original spot. It, it's nothing that I've ever seen anywhere else in, in five pin bowling, but uh, just Bonnie Dune. I don't know. I'm not, uh, to be honest with you, I, I can't really answer that. There's, you know, our pin cushions are different than, than where the machines came in from. They're 24 inches back, but we use a, like a rubber conveyor belt. Uh, and I you know I've seen where they sort of come off the pin cushion and backed up. That would probably be, you know, I'd have to, I, I would ask one of the bowlers, how do you get that? Because I don't know what the, the trajectory of those balls or those pins are. It's not the balls, but I, I don't know. <laughs> it could be, if they come off the pin cushion, that would be it. Ma- Martin, it's Martin, definitely the pin cushion. No. Uh, Is it? Yeah. No. But Martin, we'll talk well, about it after podcast. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you exactly why that's happening. Oh, yeah. yeah, but when you're when you're throwing like the spare aces or the head pin, you are trying to just clip the two pin so it goes to directory to the middle of the backboard, and it comes back almost every time at Bonnie Dune, especially on um, certain lanes. Like when we played the Wednesday match play league, we always played on the far end. So 47, 48 were really good for it. 43, 44 were really good for it. It was just certain lanes that you could you knew you had. A serious shot at spraying a head pin or even aces when you needed to. Yeah, yeah. I, there, I, there is a I, reason. There is a reason. Yeah, but but <laughs> but I, I but but Kerry, I think um, rotation and speed makes a big difference on it too. Like junk on it. Oh, for speed sure. Speed for, for sure. sure. Yeah. 
I, I, I remember, and I remember this, and I know Blair's not on Facebook, so you, it's okay to talk about this, but we're playing Wednesday match, and we're in 47-48. This is back when I was younger, so probably about 20, 19, 20, and we're playing there, and Blair's facing me in the last night of the quarter. It was like 28th week. And in that league, you can't, if you don't make singles or teams, you're done for the year, right, for playoffs. And I punched 10, and I thought I lost. I had to beat Blair. Blair throws a double, and he's like, it, it's pretty much locked. Uh, I, I hit the right two pin on 48, swung around, last suit them all, spared it up, threw a strike, and he plowed it, beat him by one. And he threw his balls and bags in his shoes, didn't say goodbye, and he left. <laughs> and to this day, he still doesn't want to bring it up. But I, I always I, wondered why he quit bowling, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Truthfully, it's his elbow, but we'll go with that. <laughs> so 40, 47, 48, yeah. Tim, wasn't that where Freddie threw 12 perfect balls against you? Yeah, 12. Okay. All oh, right in the pocket. Right Fred, in the pocket. Fred, Freddie, Freddie had eight pulled corners against me that game. <laughs> eight pulled corners. And every time he just walked it off, he knew it was happening. <laughs> and I lost money to him that game. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> um, so to roll off, Bonnie Dune obviously has done a lot of um, changes to make their scoring um, so much higher. So Shelby, I know you guys have actively not gone with the changes to keep the lanes the way they are. Mm -hmm. um, what's the thought process behind that? And um, what do you hope to accomplish with keeping it that way? Well, I, you know, I think more than anything, it's, it's just staying true and staying traditional. Um, you know, we still feel that, uh, you know, that, that we do provide good scoring, you know, mm -hmm. we provide fair scoring, <clears throat> um, you know, typically, you know, tournaments and events in our center, the, the uh, the player that throws the best and the most balls in the pocket wins the tournament. Um, you know, you're you're still going to punch. Um, you're still going to leave corner pins. Um, you know, corner pin sparing is still a part of the game. Um, it's always been a part of the game. Um, you know, traditionally speaking, right? So, um, I don't think it, you know we've got any ideas or any you know thoughts in you know small bases or anything like that. I think our league players. Um, will like the fact, you know, that, you know, maybe on a percentage basis, maybe our averages would be, you know, a small percentage, you know, lower if they're traveling to provincial events or any events outside of our center, they're going to have an advantage potentially. Right. But, um, you know, I, I don't know that the 17 inch centers and the small bases necessarily help all levels of players. I mean, um, any time that I've, you know, played on those lanes or I've been in competitions with players or seen players. I mean, for instance, my daughters have, have played a number of provincial events on those um, 17 inch center small bases. And I almost think it, it hurts the, um, you know, the slower ball speed. Uh, the slower side, you know, the smaller size ball. I mean, they get a lot of those corner pins where that ball's jumping in front of that deuce. Now there's a, there's a lot, you know, higher deflection rate and uh, you, you know, so I don't know that it necessarily helps all levels of, of skill. Um, I think, you know, your, your harder throwers, um, you know, your, your higher averages, I think it, it certainly helps, but again, the majority of players aren't averaging over 250. Uh, the majority of the players are averaging, you know, 170 to 180 for men and 150 to 170 for ladies. Right. So, um, we we don't see any, uh, any real benefit to, you know, to the majority of the players. The, the 17s, yeah, I, I think the black bases are huge, Shelby, to be honest with you. Like, um, and I only say that because I saw a huge difference with us. And it, 
it wasn't um i was a, i don't get me wrong i was a big component of not doing it in the beginning i was worried about it didn't want to do it um but then at the end of the day i i looked at it and was like let's try it and it was more pure hits i the pure hit it's went the like the because remember I was I'm not old enough to remember the old wood pins and and all that stuff right but it kind of gave the same kind of effect as the old good mm -hmm. scoring back in the day um, I found that way or, or what I've heard um, I just found like the pure hits the seniors with the black bases have been huge um, yeah. on the 18 inch tenors because they carry instead of a wobble they'll they'll just fall down and um, but as for the average player like us like nine times we might not get one corner a game or maybe every two games instead of uh instead of uh uh like a strike or whatever it, it, it's it's relevant i think but it, it was a little bit way better for us on that aspect i think from like a, a competitive side or a, let's say a scratch bowler side i like like bonnie dune and heritage for their own reasons right i think it adds a different aspect to the game when 10 pin you can change the oil pattern and a center can play completely different. Where now these two centers are both on synthetics, the exact same synthetics, but they play completely different. And I think mm -hmm. that that adds a nice change to the game where you don't go to the, the center knowing you're going to play the same shot and score the sa exact same you do at every house. I, I think that was a detriment to the game. So the, the changes are a nice a nice feel to it. For sure. I I, you know, I also think it's all, you know, it's all relative. Um, you, you know, to net like to, to again, 98% of your bowlers, um, plus 30 over their average is still plus 30 over their average. It doesn't matter if their average is at Bonnie Dune or if their average is at Heritage Lane, right? Mm -hmm. It's, you, you know, I don't think, um, you know, your average league bowler is necessarily going to know, know the difference. I mean, if I was to put them in you know, this, this September, yeah, they would, they would know the difference up until probably Christmas and then they're used to the difference and it's all relative again. You know, mm -hmm. everyone's average is going to go up 15%, 10 or 15% or whatever it is. And then it's all relative again. Right. So um, I think you probably would see, you know, some, some, some benefit for, for year one. And then after that, it's all relative. So um, I think we want to stay with our traditional roots. Um, the, you know, it's the way the game was developed. Uh, it's the way the game was created, and uh, I still feel that our center is is one of the most fair. Um, you know, the players that win are the players that put the ball in the pocket the most, and the and the players that spare the corners the most are the ones that should win, and they usually do. Mm -hmm. But Shelby, it's How not. Do you feel the, about that, Dexter? It's not the corners there. It's not the corners. <laughs> I would I would take I would take corners all day long. I just what is it? Teach me how to not throw chop offs there. I'll throw left. I'll throw right. I'll throw up the gut. I'll move back. I'll speed up my ball. I'll slow it down. I'll throw a hook, and my end result is a chop off. <laughs> it's, it's, Every it's, time. It's amount of oil. It's, it's amount simple. of oil. Exactly. Okay, I got you that know, off my chest. <laughs> Chinook went through the exact same thing for many many years. They they had those lanes so over oiled that balls just simply don't get the back end movement. So it, it's the only thing. I absolutely love that center to death. I've had a lot yeah. of success there. Me too. Uh, but those, those chop-offs just drive a person crazy. And that, that's the only thing, in, in my opinion. It, a little bit less oil, you get a little bit more back-end movement. All of a sudden, I guarantee scores would jump 10, 15. Don't, don't hit it so thick, boys. 
To be honest with you, I, I have a, I have a problem there. Well. If, if I throw it, is, if I throw it, it thin, it then I will get that corner. <laughs> <laughs> but on a side note, I carry like going back to what you said about the two different centers. I I thoroughly agree with you. At the end of the day, I I think um, as a bowler myself, I, I take pride in playing it well at every center. Um, there's a lot of people who just get labeled to play. They play well at certain centers, and I, I think I've played well at almost all my centers or fairly well or had some success. Um, if you look back at my master's win, I, I have six now. They're all in different centers. So um, I'll take a little bit of pride in that, right? And I think that's the way I like it. Let me give you a golf analogy, boys. U.S. Open? They don't play the Tucson Open every week on tour, okay? <laughs> the, right. the, the big events are held on tough courses. The U.S. Open, <laughs> even par wins the U.S. Open, not 22 under. So the pros figure it out, boys. <laughs> Ted Shelby, I've had plenty of success there. Two, two years ago at the Open Provincials, oh. uh, where li literally I averaged 300, the next highest average is like yeah. 260, right? It's yeah, definitely so you've, there. You've yeah. done it. But it, it's, it's <laughs> such a rarity to have somebody go lights out there. Right, they, happens, there's always, happens there's always every time at Masters, except there's for this year. Right, this year there was nothing. Yeah, this year, but the year prior, Gary Baird shoots twenty five and a half. That was, like, that was me. Yeah, yeah. But like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, oh, Gary's done it. Tim's done it. There. You've done it. I I don't know. I I like the discrepancy, and you can say there's a lot of chop offs there. But like Shelby said, you you have to learn to adjust and find it. And <clears throat> Dexter's lit up that place before, so it it's just that one weekend it didn't work, or maybe you had a couple of years in a row. I could say that about Regina. I'm been horrible in Regina for the last three years. It's clearly a good scoring house. It's just the way I'm playing it. Yeah. You just need to figure something out. Unfortunately, sometimes it's the Indian, not the arrow, guys. <laughs> <laughs> There's one thing that you're oh, that politically correct? Sure. I mean, some sorry, sometimes it, it's the indigenous, not the arrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, if there's one thing that is consistent, I will play every potential tournament that I could ever play at your house. For Thank sure. You. Regardless of that score. We love right? having you guys. We love it. We love uh, you know, I always feel feel excited when you guys come in to the center too, because I want to see how the center holds up. Um, you know, I don't want to see it get, you know you know beat beat to pieces either right i mean yeah. um i want you guys to you know to, to to throw well and and uh and to post good scores and usually there is there, there, there usually is somebody so um so just just so dexter and adam are aware justin langrock throws a shot out if you throw the ball flat you're gonna chop all day so <laughs> doesn't, keep that in mind boys is that not justin's like go-to shot <laughs> his hey, ball just kind of floats out there Dexter, did you uh, did you hear Shelby says he enjoys us having her? He said Saturday Masters not a problem now. That's what he told me. That's, that's what I got out of it. <laughs> uh, that's negotiable. Uh, <laughs> moving on, moving on. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking Sunday at six a.m. How about that? Uh, I'm okay with that. We're still up. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh awesome um so you guys have any any topics anything you want to talk about before we uh end this great podcast i i actually do have a question for the two proprietors here um you guys have been in bowling for a long time um what is something you think in 10 years the way the bowling centers are going to be in 10 years what do you think might be the biggest change 
besides the COVID stuff? Where do you see bowling going? Like, go go ahead, Martin. <laughs> so, um, I, for me, I guess the the rec or the family recreation center, the you know where they're they diversify. I think that uh, places like Neb's, I mean that's or, or Shelby's place, where they're offering more products. Uh, you guys, uh, laser tag. I think the one-stop shop is going to win over uh, standalone bowling centers. I think we will see more recreational um, facilities and less, um, you know, bowling facilities. They, you know, I could see a time where 50%, well, Gateway's a good example of how they've changed that. They have lots of lanes, but they also have a lot of other things. So I think if that, that'll be, uh, the ones that are surviving will be the ones that I think are, are diversified more. Shelby? Uh, yeah, totally. I completely agree with with what you're saying there, Martin, in terms of, you know, the diversification with everything. But I'll even take it a step further. I think when the bowling centers that we're going to see opening in the future are going to be um, not necessarily from the bowling industry. I think they're going to be um, an add on from a larger um, type industry like, um, for instance, you know, Bass Pro just added a bowling center to their facility out in Vancouver. Um, you know, so, you know, these are, these are corporate entities that, that have the uh, capital to, to add an eight lane or 10 lane or, you know, 12 lane center to their establishment already. I mean, what better way to attract the family to Bass Pro than to offer a, a outdoor theme bowling center, mm -hmm. you know, um, Canadian brew house in, uh, Canadian uh, brew Saskatchewan. House, right. Yeah. You know. I mean, I think you're going to see outside industries latching on to the bowling industry as a nice add-on to their, or a complement um, to, to their ongoing um, industry or, or business, right? Um, you know, I was, I was amazed when I heard of that and I thought, you know, what a, what a great idea. I mean, you can send, you know, mom and the, mom and the kids over to Bass Pro Bowling and dad goes and spends a thousand dollars at Bass Pro Sports, you know, or whatever, right? Like, um, I don't think you're going to see necessarily, you know, the traditional sender anymore for sure. You know, I think that's gone. It's going to have an element of, you know, diversification or as a complement or an add-on from an existing uh, corporate, you know, corporate type, mm -hmm. type, you know, business, whether it be a theater, um, you know, restaurant, bars, um, you, you know, and in this case, you know, it was, uh, it was Bass Pro, you know, I mean, it could be an amusement park. It could be, you know, anything like that where they're going to add bowling to I, uh, I, I think rec centers and like, uh, sorry, the rec, rec room would be like a prime example or the Canadian brew house. I know they have one in Windermere, I believe now, and they have one up in Fort Mac, but maybe hopefully it's not underwater. Um, and I know, for example, like where the ice district is and where the, where Rogers arena is for us, um, they are building one of their, one of their phases there, there will be a brew house there and it will have a bowling center and right near connected to Rogers place. Yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, that's going to be the end of like if this goes this way. I still think you're going to have some traditional centers, but you're going to your um, all your championships and stuff. You probably see a lot less, right? So, um, well, and the... you know, and there's the risk of all the smaller centers drying up too, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, they don't have the square footage to expand to diversify as we're talking about. Maybe they don't have the capital to do it either, and you know. 
we're losing more centers every year instead of gaining more centers. And, and um, the, the centers that we're gaining are not league based or tournament oriented type centers. They're strictly entertainment centers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's my but, opinion anyway. It's my thought. Uh, you know, for example, Plaza, Trevor's done a fantastic job and he's really has very little of what you would call a traditional sort of a format, you know, they're, beer and record and he didn't do an entertainment one like i'm describing he kept it as a traditional bowling center he's just you know got a lot of draft beer and he's introduced food which was a challenge for him but it's uh you know it's a different format he focuses on events which is which is great and and he's got a he he's a good location right next to uh nate um post-secondary uh facility there so um yeah, Fo- focusing on events. Uh, I mean, your your public play is going to drive in your money. So if you don't if you don't have room to diversify, you know, having those events is a, a great substitute for sure. Could you almost equate it to when global and kind of came into the industry, and now it's basically the norm? Yeah, mm-hmm. I I think so. Um, you know, globaling allowed allowed you know traditional proprietors another revenue stream. Right. You know, instead of closing after league play at nine o'clock or whenever that nine o'clock league at that time, you know, I, I was a kid um, when there was, you know, seven to nine o'clock leagues and, you know, that 1030 to 11 o'clock league would be done. They, you know, we'd be closing the doors and, you know, turning out the lights. Right. So it's given, you know, additional revenue stream for sure. I think global link has kept the industry alive. Agreed. Uh, if it wasn't for global link, I don't know that we'd even be having this conversation right now. So, um, you, you know, I, I think with the addition of the entertainment facilities and the add-ons, you know, from other corporations, um, I don't know that it's necessarily preserving the game um, in such a way where it's league play and tournament play preservation. I think it's just, um, you know, it's an, it's an extra revenue stream. So I guess you could equate it to the, to the globaling days other than to me, the glow bowling days when it when they started that that helped preserve the game because that opened up the game to a completely different demographic too, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, before we wrap up this podcast and let you guys go, which you're more than welcome to stay after, we usually talk a little bit after the podcast, but. Um, it wouldn't be a podcast without visiting Dexter's Rule Book Corner. So <laughs> I'm gonna pose I'm gonna pose a question to each person on the podcast before Dexter actually gives us the final answer. Oh. But if somebody throws a ball, punches the head pin out, and the head pin comes back onto the deck and stands on its base, is it a down pin? And we'll start with you, Adam. Is it free fall or is it a string? <laughs> Give an answer for both. Okay. I wouldn't know that it would be different for both to be honest but uh i I would have to classify it as an up pin yes it may have left the surface but if it's still standing by the time that uh shield comes down i believe it's an up pin shelby i say just to keep everybody happy do what you want to do and order another round of drinks (laughs) there's there's the heritage i know right there (laughs) martin uh, I got to go with Adam on this one. I think that's uh, I think that's the rule. It doesn't matter, you know. In fact, in the old days, even if it was off the spot, as I recall, you had to shoot from wherever it was at. So it doesn't matter where it flies. I think if it lands back up on its base. Yeah. And Timmy. Um, 
Okay, so I think it's a two-part thing. He's kind of trying to stump us here. Maybe I'm overanalyzing this, and and well, and, and, no, and no way, in no way, am I affiliated with the five pin because if I get this wrong, I'm get shot. Uh, so your brother so, will save you like gold. So I think so. I, I, if I so it flies up and it just lands right back down. You're saying right? So I, if if that's the case in string, I think it's just still not pin. If it's a free fall. It's wherever it's the closest uh, mark. So if it's a head pin that pops up and you only had the head pin left and it landed on where the right three pin is, it'd be the right three pin. Yeah. So yeah, you're, you're kind of right. Uh, the question was whether it's a down or up pin and you went way too far. The answer is it, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, an a, it's an up pin, but yeah, on string, uh, whatever <laughs> pin that actually was, um, it maintains its value and it stays there. So if it's a head pin, it stays a head pin and away you go. If it's on free fall and it stands back up and let's say it, it goes to the closest available spot. So if you ripped out your left three pin on your first shot and on the second one, you punch out the head pin, it goes flying around, lands straight up and it's next to that left three pin, then it takes that three pin spot and that head pin spot stays vacant. So how much work is it to rework that rule so we go with Shelby's if that happens to Buddy? Uh, it's a round of shooters? Well, it's a Monday it's night rule. I'm already enjoying your beverage while you guys are discussing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tim will pull that up the uh, C5 chain. So, uh, get that yeah, rule changed, Tim. If it stands upright, it's a round of shooters. Yeah, just show, show right. me. Do I have an open tab forever? That's all I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just one, just one, once a year, send an invoice to the C5 for all the shooters. Call her in. Oh, there oh, no, you go. No, brilliant. No, no, don't don't get me in trouble with Sheila, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, this is oh. a great podcast. Carrie, Thank you very much for joining I, us. I got to oh. stop you, Carrie. Oh, here we go. We, we, we had like 150 savages who ended up liking the page. Yeah. How did you yesterday? forget about them? Oh. Uh, you, you might want to get on My that. Bad. Wow. My bad. One less shooter for <laughs> Carrie. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Only had two drinks. What's going on here? Um, yeah, so we will do uh, our giveaways. So Dexter has a randomizer going on. Um, we put all the people that like the page. Um, right from day one till um, right before we started the podcast. So Dexter will do two giveaways, um, both t-shirts, and then we'll do, um, what should we do? We'll do a hoodie off of the WCBT. So um, when we do that third draw, if you're the one selected, go ahead and order it. Um, Mark Johnson will send you the invoice and then you just forward it to five pin universe and we will take care of that invoice for you for one item, not including the shipping. Okay. So if you're from Zimbabwe, I'm sorry, I'm not <laughs> covering shipping to Zimbabwe, but I will cover the merch. <laughs> I would cover the shipping yeah, for that just so we get, uh, so we get some exposure in Zimbabwe. That's a, that's yeah. a market we haven't hit yet. Um, <laughs> I'm in. If you want to do it, go right ahead. Okay. So are we doing three draws? Yes, we're doing three draws. Three the first complete... two are just t-shirts. Okay, so three um, completely random draws, universe. not a not a one, two, three. It's a three completely draws. Okay. Can't yeah. win twice. All right. That's right. Okay. Uh, just a question. How many people are from Zimbabwe on our podcast? We have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There, there is probably more go. than just, one. Just analytics. Check. All right. I'm I'm doing this. So there, there's like a, there's less than a percent chance, that's for sure. Oh, 
Uh, no, I got. Okay, first draw is gonna. Oh man, it's gotta be more than five. And it's done. Four and three. Okay, nine the first time. Here we go. The live, Dexter. Can we see if you're doing this properly? It's yeah. It, it's yeah. it's going. It's on. falling asleep here. <laughs> All right. Our first winner is Brian Martin. Oh, really? Brian? Brian from, nice. from Edmonton. Yeah, there we go. All right. oh, shipping will be cheap on that one. <laughs> Need to copy this again. Okay. Uh, Kerry, Ryan O'Callaghan said he just transferred to Zimbabwe. But either way, <laughs> Thompson, Manitoba, and Zimbabwe are both the same length. So. <laughs> same shipping cost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Second round. Six times. Should I order another round of drinks, Dex? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Sponsored by Heritage Lane. All right, final draw, <laughs> final draw. We've got William Pryor. Where he's from. Not too sure. We'll have to figure that one out. We'll send you a private message there, William. All Get right. Your details. And Last our one. final one. For the hoodie. Oh, I hey, they could have ordered a towel. Why did you give away a hoodie? You yeah. gave away a hoodie. No, <laughs> I, I said any piece of merch on the you, No, you, you, you oh, okay. actually said hoodie. Oh, dang. It's recorded. <laughs> yeah, you go back. You 100% you said hoodie. You edit that. Yeah, That's fine. You love only, only if it's in stock, by the way, because yeah. I do believe it's limited supplies on hoodies it's, right it's now. All right, last draw seven times. Seven times. Martin had a birthday yesterday, so happy 60th to Martin. Yeah, happy, happy birthday, yours. Martin. Happy belated. And I, and I get a gift. That's kind of nice. I want a hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, Tracy liked the page, so maybe. Yeah. Talk to yeah. Mark Johnstone yeah. about that. What? <laughs> okay, final, final draw. Here we go. And the winner is... Three Chinese symbols. <laughs> Redraw. <laughs> uh, okay. Do we? China was okay. It's okay. Uh, Did you send them a bat or no? I tried. Oh, wow. <laughs> Again. All right. Oh, there goes a dollar. Uh, that's all American money, too, man. <laughs> Uh, ten draws. <laughs> Asian symbols at the top. Watch this. <laughs> oh, <man>. Asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Just want to keep like everybody that. in suspense. That person really wasn't banking on that. <laughs> yeah. All right, and the winner is Anne Marie Glover. Anne Marie. Yeah. Anne Marie. Glover, yeah. Wilton. Oh, oh yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> All, All right. right. We will send you guys the details, and we'll get that uh, those items. Thanks for liking our uh, our page <laughs> and following us. And if you want to support us more, go to patreon.com slash 5 universe 
Um, and we're going to try and do more of this stuff. Obviously, the podcast will happen every week. We'll try and get more and more guests. Um, but we'll also try and do maybe some tutorial videos and stuff like that. I know we, we keep saying that the COVID thing kind of put that on hold, but uh, maybe we can get Dexter testing bowling balls with his durometer or something. All right. <laughs> Dexter, what were those Dexter likes tasks. Oh, yeah, Dexter gets all the tasks. Codes, Shelby. Oh, and Shelby, you want to rip out those promo codes for your all-star bowling? Yes, for sure. Time? So uh, we got WCBT Pro 15. For 15% off, that gets there's 15 of those available. WCBT uh, Live 30 gets you 30% off, and there's three of those available. And for center managers or owners, Bowl Canada 20. If you're a member of Bowl Canada, we'll give you 20% off all the time. So uh, Bowl Canada 20 gets you those discounts. Thanks, guys. Awesome. All right. Th all right. Thanks, everyone. That was great. Thanks so much for coming on, boys. Thanks for inviting us, fellas. It was a pleasure. Anytime. Thanks, guys.